When Jesus is asked in the Gospels, what is the greatest commandment? The religious elite are trying to trick him. How will Jesus choose what is the greatest? Is it to honor the Sabbath? Is it not to covet or commit adultery? Is it not to kill? We actually ask the same question of our confirmands every year. We ask them to rank the Ten Commandments in a fantasy draft-like style. Not to trick them, but to begin to see how they view them as they develop their moral and ethical framework in the world. What is the most important of these? Jesus, which is always the answer, or at least he always holds the answer, replies to this query with a threefold answer that no one can fault, not even those who are trying to trick him. He replies that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul, and we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Upon these, all other commandments hang, he says. And he's right, not only because he's Jesus and he's always right, but he's also right because love is the foundation of our faith. We are called to love. And that is what Paul is addressing in his letter to the early Christians in Thessalonica. We are called to enter into relationship with one another. And in our beautiful, limited, messy, human way, we are called to love one another in ways that are perfectly imperfect. We are called to love one another in ways that inspire us, in ways that change us, in ways that transform us. We are called to love one another in ways that when we look back, we look back with hearts of gratitude for all that has been. We are called to love one another in ways that truly make us who we are. A reading from 1 Thessalonians. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the Church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We always give thanks to God for all of you and mention you in our prayers, constantly remembering before God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters beloved by God, that he has chosen you because our message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of persons we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for in spite of persecution, you received the word with joy from the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith in God has become known, so that we have no need to speak about it. For they report about us what kind of welcome we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. 
Amen. Would you please pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be in keeping with your teaching in Jesus Christ. For you, O God, are our rock, and you, O God, are our redeemer. Amen. So I have never preached a sermon that is harder than this one. And I have never preached a sermon that is easier than this one. It feels impossibly hard to tell you all what a gift being your pastor has been. And whatever I say in the next several minutes, I know will be limited and it will be insufficient because it is only a part. It is part of a story that is made of a million different little memories. Memories that are beautiful in their specificity and that cannot be fully captured here. And I've never preached a sermon that is easier than this one because all that I will say today echoes the word that St. Paul wrote to the people in Thessalonica over 2,000 years ago. I love you. And whenever I think of you, I will thank God. Because you have blessed me. You have made me who I am. And I am so incredibly grateful. And I know that God's spirit will remain and will continue to be lived out through you all. Because I have seen it. I have felt it and received the ways that God is at work through you. And it will also exist in ways that I cannot even begin to imagine. So what can I say? When in doubt, I turn to the lessons of our faith. For this Sunday, we remember all the saints, those beloved who've gone before us and entered into eternity who are no longer physically here with us, but those who have forever changed us. Our grandparents, our parents, our friends, partners, and even our children. The people who have made us who we are. We each have folks like this that we carry with us in our hearts. Memories that we carry like talismans that tell of their love and the way it has transformed. I often think of my faithful Pop-Pop with his massive mechanist hands made big from decades of working in a Georgia Pacific plant in Southside, Virginia. I think of the way that my little hand would nestle into his massive one, made rough from the years of work. I think of my best friend's mom who was full of life and she would make snowballs whenever we had a big snow and sit on her porch and throw them at the neighborhood boys as they would walk to school. <laughs> I think of hot, the hot chicken enchiladas she made us for dinner and the way when she laughed she would throw her whole body into her joy. We all have those people who change us, who've now gone to God and we give thanks for them. And there are saints here in our midst. While you might cringe or roll your eyes, beloved, you too 
our saints. And your love has transformed. It has changed me. You have made me who I am, and I thank God for you. As Paul writes, for your work produced by faith, for your labor prompted by love, and for your endurance inspired by hope. And I pray that I, like the people of Thessalonica, that I may be an imitator of you, taking the lessons that you have given me into all that lies ahead in life. I give thanks to God for you. The first thing Paul remembers in his thanksgiving for the people of Thessalonica is their work produced by faith. And your faith, people of the First Congregational Church of Glen Ellen, your faith makes others. It changes and transforms lives. I've seen this personally, I felt it personally, and I've seen it lived out communally. I remember when I was interviewing at the church and Pastor Seth took me on the very confusing building tour of the church. <laughs> but I remember being so inspired when he took me through Pilgrim Hall. And he told me how every Sunday night we housed over 60 homeless guests here, providing emergency shelter for folks who needed a good meal, a hot shower, and a safe place to rest their heads. You were dedicated to not only giving folks dignity and respect, but you were dedicated to treating them with hospitality and love. I remember one member of the congregation telling me that she served her family the same food that she prepared for pads, as she explained that Jesus himself experienced housing insecurity. I remember many of you bleary-eyed after the night shift, going home before heading off to work. I remember a high school senior who worked that breakfast shift before walking down the hill to Glenbard West for his classes. And I remember him sharing how a classmate asked him why he smelled so intensely of breakfast sausage. And then in the past couple of years, to serve guests better, you pivoted from what was known and familiar and comfortable so that folks who needed it could have more consistent housing and greater support access. Because of your faith, work produced that changed lives and saved lives. I give thanks to God for you. I give thanks to God for you for the ways that your labor, like the Thessalonians, is prompted by love. You love one another. You love one another in the everyday ways, and you love one another in the deep and profound ways. You love one another as you take joy in each other. You love as we commune in a different way over homemade German pretzels and a glass of beer every Oktoberfest, sharing and celebrating the joy of the stories of our lives. You love one another in adult education opportunities where you open yourselves with honesty and vulnerability over a good book or a creative project, in conversations around racism or gun violence or in the chance to join in beloved fellowship with each other. 
You love one another as we commission and send our high schoolers every year on work camp, changing the world in little beautiful ways and also changing them, these youth of our church, and changing those of us who have been privileged enough to get to experience that space. You love one another as we join together in weekly prayer, sharing your joys and your pains with one another in this space and in Zoom. You love one another as our Stephen ministers give their gifts in service and walk alongside in all that life holds. You love one another as we make safe space for our young people to learn about human sexuality and affirm the beautiful diversity that God created. You love one another as you make meals for those who are sick or grieving, tending for bodies as well as you tend for souls. You love one another as you usher at funerals, as you sing at services, making space for the sacred to flow in. You love one another as you time and again enter into messy, beautiful community with one another, not asking for perfection, but for honesty. You love one another as you share the stories of your lives and devotionals and worship and give a glimpse of the way that God is working in the world through you. You love one another as you've supported creative and dynamic and sometimes bizarre summer interns as they ask deep questions of themselves and the church and their faith. You make love into a verb in ways big and ways small. And for that, I give thanks. I give thanks for you and for your endurance inspired by hope. This week on my last day in the office, Pastor Seth and I took a, t took a field trip to the bell tower in our sanctuary. It's something I've wanted to do since I've started here, but we've been foiled in all of our attempts to make it there. But we found the key and we climbed a precarious ladder. It was a much more dangerous feat than I initially imagined. <laughs> There's actually this like hinged door that you have to swing open enough so that it doesn't like come back and hit you in the head while you're on the ladder. I was really grateful that I let Seth actually take the lead <laughs> in that part. <laughs> but uh, I had heard stories of this bell and the ways that our church, before it was here in this physical place, dreamed of a mighty bell throughout the ages as a way to ring out to the community sounding of God's love. And I heard of how the bell was transported from Five Corners, they say Cece's Tavern, to this place down Main Street, where it has rung and where it has endured. And when I saw that bell, I thought of all those people of faith who over the years have come to this place and who've dreamed of you all. Those folks from long ago who dreamed of this church and who we are. But this bell is only a symbol. For what happens here happens among you all. For the ways you live your lives to ring, sounding out of the gospel. 
because you hope for a better, a more loving, a more just and equitable world. And then, beloved, you go about the work of making it so. I give thanks to God for you. Aristotle said that the whole is part of its, is the sum of its parts. And you here have been such a large part of my life. My time with you has actually been the longest time that I've ever spent with one community anywhere in my life. My father was a pastor and we moved all around getting to see the communities and the places that he served. And some of those places were deeply loving. But the depth of love that I have seen and experienced here is truly reflective of God's spirit. I give thanks to God for you. All of you who embody faith, love, and hope that exists in this place. I thank God for the honor of getting to bless your babies with water and baptism. I thank God for the privilege of getting to stand up here and celebrate and remember the lives of loved ones who have passed. And I give thanks to God for the ways that you have embodied grace to me when I have ministered imperfectly. The senior high youth group used to, to play a game with my uh, emails, <laughs> that they would check how many misspellings would exist within a given email at a time. I remember one year I said, we're going to have a secret, I thought I was saying, we're going to have a secret Santa you know, event, and I said, and a secrete Santa event. <laughs> That's a totally different meaning to, to the event. <laughs> but I've ministered imperfectly. I have been late countless times, as many of you can attest. I have missed or forgotten meetings altogether. I've been quick to speak when I should have listened. And I ask forgiveness for the times when my words have created hurt instead of healing. I pray that you know the love that exists in the imperfection. I give thanks to God for the ways that in my personal life, you have cared and tended me. Several years ago, when my husband Dan and I had a miscarriage, there were numerous meals that were left quietly at our door. Or the ways when our babies were born, then too, you took care of us, pouring out love and support in ways that I can't even begin to list. You all have walked with us through those dark valleys and through those mountaintops of joy. And I give thanks to God for you. As we drive away tomorrow, and in the rearview mirror, I see Glen Ellen, I will give thanks to God for you, for our time together. I will thank God for you, saints, in my life, knowing that I will not leave it and you all behind, but that I will carry it and you all with me. The sacred stories, the lessons learned, the love lived out. And I take comfort in knowing that God's spirit is so alive here through you. 
as you live out that greatest commandment of all to love. I give thanks to God for you, for you have helped make me. Amen.